Hello everyone and welcome to the That's A Wrap podcast, the show where we wrap up the latest films that we see. I'm your host Joe Downey. And I'm your co-host Matt Parkinson. The date of recording today is the 21st of February and the time of recording today is 2.29, one minute before we said we record. Madness. Um, before we get into the show, remember to follow our Instagram at TAW Podcast, that is spelt T-A-W Podcast. If you ever want to suggest films and topics for us to talk about, our DMs will be open over there. You can also check out our Facebook page if you type up That's A Wrap Podcast or, again, T-A-W Podcast. And make sure to give us a like and share as it really helps out the show. When it comes to listening platforms, we are available on Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Overcast and Apple Music. To make sure, So make sure to give us a follow on those platforms and download uh, the episodes and leave a review where available as, again, it really helps out the show. And if you guys would like to keep up to date with the latest films that we're seeing both in and outside the podcast... You can check out our letterbox pages at Joe Film User and Clappy P. The opening and closing jingles that you're hearing on the show are by Philip Buster. So please check out his music at soundcloud.com forward slash Philip Buster underscore official. That's Philip B-U-S-T-A underscore official. How are we doing today? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you very much. That I Every time it just impresses me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I should, uh, should be one of those auctioneers. Yeah, you should. Sold to That's a Rap podcast. Hey, um, so we've got some nice little wholesome news. Um, as of February 11th, it has been a year since we recorded our uh, first podcast. Yes. Episode. Yeah. Yes. Back when times were a bit more normal. Yeah. <laughs> I think we did three episodes in when when things were normal didn't we yeah. <laughs> and then so they were released may 10th along with our first online episode so when yes. may 10th rolls up we'll have to do something very special yes um we've got some good stuff in the pipeline that we can't announce at the moment but um yeah well good things are, are coming uh just as a preface for audiences um my neighbors are really loud and just want to chat constantly apparently so if you hear any mutterings that'll be why um I can't, my, my walls are shit, so. <laughs> um, and then in some film news, we got two trailers that came out this week. We had the Cruella trailer and the Mortal Kombat trailer, so. Yeah. I haven't seen the Mortal Kombat trailer yet. It's, it's pretty good. Like, for, as of, like, video game uh, film trailers, like, I'm pretty pumped because, like, it does what it says on the tin. Yeah. It's Mortal Kombat. It's, like, they delivered on the violence. What's interesting, uh, what I find interesting is that there's like no stars, there's like no name talent for like a <laughs> franchise. That's interesting. I wonder how they're yeah. going to do that. Uh, if it's successful, I suppose I guess. The, the name, I guess, you know, the brand will sell it enough, I guess, you know, Mortal Kombat. But Combat. not critically, though. With, like, the Maybe not critically, are, but, you know, yeah. bums on seats, you know, it'll yeah. get, it'll or get on tickets. HBO Max. <laughs> yeah, or on, yeah, bums on, on streaming. <laughs> yeah. I don't um, know how that HBO deal is going to work with. America uh, for here because we don't have it but mm. uh, I, I I hope you know get that vaccine in me I want to get into the cinema I'll just, watch I, anything I if never fucking... played Mortal Kombat it's it's fun yeah. it's a really fun game I was yeah. I was never much of a gamer I had a Wii when I was younger because I'm you've been playing Professor Layton so <laughs> I, no I didn't play a lot of Professor Layton I played a little bit but I watched the movie as well and you played enough to watch the vi- the movie adaptation I mean what yeah we should we should talk about that on a future episode <laughs> that'll be our anniversary one <laughs> um, oh, yeah I just took a gulp and a half so before we get into a, a, our films of the day. Uh, from the title, it seems like we're doing like the antithesis of like the comfort episode, which was episode fifteen, I believe. Um, but we we swear it's not the depression episode. Some of these are <laughs> like quite fun, and like I think they cover a decent gamut of themes. And also, funnily enough, we're going from country to country. So yes, two of our with... films are not in the English language. Yeah, let's start with France today um, with Portrait of a Lady on Fire. So, have you? Checked any of the synopsis is so I so um I know we like to do our little synopsis game on episodes Mm. so I prepared (laughs) for this because I knew that I wouldn't be able to say a synopsis just off the cuff because I would mess up somehow so I I I prepared my own synopsis in my own words (laughs) in the late eighteenth century France a painter is commissioned to do a painting of a woman who against her wishes is to be wed and therefore refuses to pose for a painting this means that the painter must paint her in secret. Google hire this man. Um, <laughs> I'd, again, I wrote, I looked up the synopsis. Uh, this isn't important, but I'd, I looked up the synopsis and kind of just reworded it because oh, I knew damn. that I would okay. fumble and I, I, mess I, up. I was going to try and see how how close they would be, but like if you've already seen it, 
then it should be fine. Do you want to hear it or? Uh, I mean, I've I've already seen I it, think... so it doesn't matter too much. But I've... let's just say Matt's pretty much hit the nail on the head. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so what, why did you pick this film today, Matt? Um, it was I I can't remember when I first heard about it actually it was it was one of those that's been floating around for a while it was um you know i'd heard only good things about it it came out in 2019 i believe didn't it so yeah, yeah. two years ago and it was it seemed to be kind of an overlooked film i think like not a lot of mainstream critics or audiences were talking right, right. about it from what i saw and mm. i just i was really curious to check it out because i'd heard only overwhelmingly positive reviews about yeah. it and uh, i saw one funny review saying like it's kind of like the antithesis of the lighthouse in a way <laughs> sort of like a positive version of that which i found quite funny so yeah I, and I yeah i just definitely. i really wanted to see it. i thought it would be a good one to talk about um sort mm. of bring it into the limelight a bit more and just kind of see yeah, what all the like, fuss was about like, <laughs> i feel like yeah like in the blooming letterbox world or film twitter world like the films in, like popping off is like very well known but like i don't think your average joe has seen it no because that, that's the thing that's yeah that's a bit sad i think <laughs> it's it's interesting because there are a lot of like sort of indie a24 films that have kind of come into the limelight a bit more like the lighthouse is an indie film like i said but it's yeah, yeah. you know i feel like people know about it because it of its stars is this a24 and... i swear this is like neon or something no i think it's a24 but i'm just like giving examples okay. of sort of indie films that are you know, indie, but still kind of well known to the general public. And I don't think this is necessarily one of those films, but right. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to, to talk about it. Nice one. Nice one. Uh, I was trying to quickly find the production company to do it. But, <laughs> I, uh, I swear. I don't think is, it's a 24. Is it not a 24? Okay. No. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, get out. <laughs> no. no, that's Blumhouse. <laughs> hey, hey, nice one. But yeah. So, um, yeah, like so. Yeah, as 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 I was saying earlier, Matt kind of hit the nail on the head. You know, painter is commissioned to do a painting for, for you know, and uh, for of someone that is to be wedded, but uh, she doesn't like being painted and she wants to stay where she is. Um, so she's got to try and paint her secretly, and then a romance blooms. So it's pretty. Yeah, like um, so because of that, let's talk about. You know the directing and the writing, which is uh, it's written and directed by Celine Siama. Um, personally, I think she'd like from what I have seen of her, I've only seen two, but like range, such range, because My Life as a Courgette is such a different film to this. Was that her was, as well? Yeah, she wrote it. Oh my god, I didn't know that. I I, I just, absolutely just did not know talented, that. Like, wow. Okay. Yeah, I really like that. Very film. <laughs> very different. Like couldn't go further ends of the spectrum. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, it won best screenplay at Cannes. Fully understand why. Yeah. Uh, I remember you saying to me uh, off Cannes that it's a very tender film. Uh, yeah. How do you think the director has managed to create that tender feel and and like depict intimacy? I think it's down to like a lot. It's a down to a number of things. I think so. A lot of it is down to the pacing. I think because it's. I think we were yes. saying it's I've, very. I've, I've written that down. I've yeah. written that down. <laughs> I have to consult my notes a bit here, but yeah, it's. The first note I have on this film is it's a slow film, but it never felt boring, right, I think, because right. it's one of those films that kind of, there's not too much in the way of plot, but it's a film where just you are with the characters, I think, you're right. just with them, you're experiencing the scene with them, I know that sounds very pretentious, but it's kind of true, Like, and I think a lot of that is captured through uh, very subtle performances that are very well directed, just very well right. acted. Uh, the use of camera work, I think, is very good in mm -hmm. this Um there's a lot of scenes which are very sort of up close and personal because right. there's there's a scene. So obviously, I said that the premise of this film is she's trying to paint this woman in secret, yeah. and she has to try her best to sort of look at her for facial features as much as she can. And there's a scene early on in the film when they're walking together, and she's the woman's wearing this sort of face um, mask. What, what, what would oh, you yeah, call yeah, it? Yeah. Like so a like a like a veil, like a veil. Yeah, and yeah. she can only see bits of her face, and the camera gets very up close to her, and it's mm, like. Mm. I was also found myself looking for her facial features right, as the right. main character does, and, and it's and like the, the way they bloom and reveal her, like yeah. it's in the trailer, so it's not necessarily a spoiler. So Adele Hanel plays Heloise, who uh, Marianne, played by Nomi Milan, is um, trying to paint, and you don't, you only see like the back of her. She looks like this mythical woman in black type, mm. uh, like figure, and you like she's yeah dressed in all black. You don't see her for ages uh, when when 
she's because she's just got to pretend to be her companion so they go for walks and yeah she's basically just there to be a mate um and like she deliberately is just like hiding herself and then like she goes to like run off a cliff and she's like oh shit and then stops and then turns around like yeah. camera crashes in and it's like it's such an impactful it doesn't seem like a super motivated uh like shot at the time but like it it fully is and it does it, like yeah. it, it's just executed really well it's just and, yeah like, yeah there's a lot of very curious camera work i think because it like it sort of puts you in the position of marianne the painter who's yeah, trying to yeah. paint this woman and it's like you i found myself becoming curious and try like i said trying to see her facial features thinking like oh what little bits of her nose and what what are her cheeks mm-hmm. like and it's it's interesting that the film made me do that and i think that's a sign of very very good directing and right. and Definitely. camera work yeah it's and it is just such a, a tender film, I think. Like uh, one of the other notes I had was that the every scene in this you could cut the romantic tension with a knife right. because there's, oh God, there's yeah. so much going on. And like I said, it's down to like very subtle performances, the way the characters glance at each other, like yeah. the things they say, the things they don't say. It's just very kind of visceral and feels very real and yeah. just like you're there. It's definitely very well and done. And it's like going off what you were saying with with pacing, right? So a lot of this film on surface level has all the trappings of like something boring and pretentious and like strictly for art house people where it's like, Oh, we're on a beach and uh, lust and isolation and all this stuff. But um, like most people, when you say a film is a slow burn, you think, Oh, it's, it's just boring. But no, this film is actually like a good definition of what a slow burn should be. Exactly. Only, yeah. Like a, a ba- a, the only recent example I can think of why you shouldn't like slow burns that aren't good is like, there's a film called Joe with Nicolas Cage. It's like, yeah. If you compare these two, I don't know if you can, but like, I just this film needed its slow pacing in order for you to understand the like, yeah, like you're saying, the romantic tension between the characters, and uh, going into the acting, the is very subtle, but they play tension between each other very well. Mm. Like uh, Adele's performance as Heloise, like she's like. In, in terms of like mannerisms and everything, she's a deliberately wound up tight character because she's stuck uh, on this uh, island and she like just wants to be more free and like she d- she displays that in her face incredibly well. And then also, it's not a spoiler because this bit's in the trailer, but they both talk about how they know each other so well that they know each other's mannerisms and the actors keep those mannerisms throughout yeah. the film. They're very subtle mannerisms like you could easily forget to do on like a, in a take or something. But no, like for instance, uh, one of them. Uh, when they're under stress, they breathe through their mouth like slightly, and it's like yeah, and like they, biting of they the stay lip. Stay on and, those things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I feel like I need to rewatch this film just to pick up on those. Oh, it's so much better on rewatch. Yeah, because yeah. I know this is your second time watching it. Yeah, I think, yeah, isn't yeah. it? This is my first time watching it, and I think yeah. Although, no, I'd, I'd love this film on first watch, but I think yeah, I will pick up on those little details when I watch this again. Something I picked up on rewatch, and I don't know if they intended this, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Right, so um, she can't get. Uh, so uh, Marianne can't get uh, uh, Heloise to smile yet because they've just met each other. So what she does uh, is she gets the mum to smile, like she makes the mum deliberately laugh so that she can get her smile and like get the likeness. Ah. At least that's what I, I gleaned from it. Um, yeah, uh, this film is essentially a two-hander with uh, uh, Adele and Nomi. Uh, I'm really sorry if I'm butchering any <laughs> pronunciations today. And then the, there's a, only other, like two, there's two other side characters and that's pretty much it um mm. going off of what you're saying with the cinematography the cinematography is by claire mathon i'm really really sorry if I, i've gotten this wrong i'm just i'm trying my best it's shot in 8k very rich color palette it's very oh, it's very yeah. clean it's it just such a clean film yeah <laughs> like, and in a good way it's not like like sleek for the sake of sleek you know yeah um great use of sound design like it, yeah i had a note about with so sound, much actually yeah, yeah. It's almost uh, like it, ASMR in some scenes. Right. It's just so, it feels very real, I think, and it just. But to yeah. like deal with all this, like like waves crashing and embers, all the stuff that could be such a a, a bad distraction whilst uh, recording on set, and it's all mixed very well. And you yeah. watch it with headphones, like if you've got really good headphones, because you feel like I should have done that. <laughs> if you're on the little uh, dinghy going onto the island, you feel. You just feel immersed within the film, and even in the quieter scenes, I think when it's just dialogue, like very when they're whispering to each other, and it feels very kind of. Again, I keep saying this: it's like you're there with them right. in the scene, right. kind of. It's just all very, all feels very real and well done. It's mm. 
So, yeah. I know we were saying previous episode we, that we are trying our best not to take too much precedence uh, on Rotten Tomatoes as the aggregate system is a bit flawed. Mm. But what I wanted to do as an experiment, so this film is uh, 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. So what I've done is tried to find a negative review of this because personally, I literally see no negatives with it. The only, <laughs> the only one you could hazard uh, a negative for, hazard a guess at, at it, is um, like you kind of have to be prepared for a slow burn. But like we said, it's completely worth it. So this one is from Joanne Laurier from World Socialist Website. Um, she says that even though Siama has certain technical skills and a stylish touch, the movie's premise of a manless air quotes utopia close air quotes is a barren is barren and frankly stupid. I disagree with this entirely. Yeah, no, I, I, I disagree with that as well. <laughs> it's it's not depicting a manless utopia. It's just it's a it's a film from what I gather is like about the female gaze and how in what year was this set in blimmin 1770 yeah uh like women like couldn't weren't allowed to be openly gay and there's only like one man that you see at the end of the film and because it's it's like he's his role isn't meant to be a massive role it's meant to be like oh this is the the you know up the impending not doom but like just mm. making the you this film just makes you feel so sad for these characters it really does yeah and like <laughs> yeah i think because like given the situation i think a lot of that is due to how a lot of the scenes are just you're watching the characters be happy i think mm. and that and you're just letting it unf unfold and then when it stops you're like oh no come back i want to do that more <laughs> i'd put this type of romance film in the same category of In the Mood for Love and Call Me By Your Name in the way that they all depict like the the characters longing for each other and yeah. that, that feel. Yeah. Um where it's just like they're just like yearning for each other and it's like Yeah. It I'm is drunk, kind like, of similar my actually. point is going a bit frazzled yeah. but like it, it did remind just... me of Call Me By Your Name a bit because like in the sense that a lot of the film, especially in the first half, is just done through like glances. Right. A lot of it a lot of you know, and um, you could just, say that within they, like all of them have those like how to hold glances between yeah. the characters, and it kind of and, it's I yeah. guess like Brokeback Mountain as well. I'm not trying to sort of consolidate all the gay right. romance films, but again, there's a shot in this that reminded me of a shot in Brokeback Mountain where um, so it's near the beginning of the film where um, they're standing over in sorry in Portrait of a Lady on Fire where they're standing mm. over the cliff looking, and they keep looking back and forth at each other right. when one looks at the other one's looking over and then it goes back yeah. and forth. And I think there's a shot in Brokeback Mountain like that where none of them are, neither of the two men are looking at each other, but because of how the scene is blocked and how it's shot, you get the sense that there is a tension right. and they both want to look at each other. And it's just, it's really great, subtle direction, I think. Yeah. And just great blocking and obviously very subtle performances. It's, yeah. I'm it's repeating just... myself a lot. No, with no, no. Film, like, but... I... <laughs> With all these, I, I know you feel a bit indifferent towards one of the films, but for me personally, I feel like this is like one of the best selections of films, like yeah, on a podcast, because there's, yeah. there's so much that we like about them, so it's difficult not to just gush about them. Mm. Um, I remember, I think on the, it must have been the documentary episode, I like jokingly said a double bill, a good double bill would be Tim's Vermeer and this, and looking back on it, I'm like, only because of paintings? Like... I guess, uh, yeah. Um, I'm not sure like, what other connection you can draw from right. them. They're narratively quite different. Films. Yeah. <laughs> and I, do they deal? Are they both dealing with different uh, time frames of the paintings? I'm not like when's when was Vermeer about? <laughs> oh God, you're testing me now. <laughs> I don't know, Joe. Um, do you do you have my a point, means? My point being is like, <laughs> if you want to try it as a double bill, go ahead. It's just yeah. Like I, I'm a fan of double bills that they they don't they don't have to be fully the same theme wise or in structure, uh, but yeah, random point. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I'll try it later on. I was debating trying it this time round, but like, surprisingly, Tim's Vermeer is quite hard to get a hold of now. I suppose, um, in a sense, I just this is just a connection I've drawn on the top of my head. I guess Tim's hmm. Vermeer is kind of a bit of a stress-inducing film because it's all about this man trying to recreate this painting right. and that's kind of very stressful. And then you could go to this film, which is kind of the opposite and that it's a mu much more sort of meandering, a, a little bit more of a calm right. sort of slow film. And I mm -hmm. guess, you know, I guess if you want to feel tension and then sort of more relaxed, I guess you could double bill those films. I'm just coming up with this yeah, on no, the I, spot. I'm yeah, just... <laughs> that, I, 
It's, it's a, a very. I'm going to pat myself on the back. I like that. It's a very tenuous connection I've just made, but I'm just trying to sort of validate. <laughs> no, the no, point. sure. It's, it's just something I, I was thinking about the other day. But um, yeah. And then, like, I guess, kind of to to wrap up, like, cost great costumes. It seems very mm. period accurate from what from what I gather. The paintings are great. They had an on-set painter um, who had to like keep making touch-ups for like for, for like I think fifteen hours or something. <laughs> like, it's just a very beautiful fucking film. Please and I watch think, it. Yeah, and going back to what you said about why it isn't pretentious, it's it's an right. interesting argument, I think, because um, I, I guess if I were to say why it isn't pretentious, I would say because for one, like every scene kind of has a meaning, I would say. Mm. Nothing feels wasted or sort of overblown or sort of right. like the film's trying to be intellectual because it is, it's quite a simple film at yeah. its core, I think, isn't it? It's not trying to sort of hammer home but any it, sort like, of even yeah even the more like kind of artsy looking scenes like they make sense as to why they're there they're not there for the sake of being artsy yeah like they they hammer the themes home and put you in the same position of marianne so. yeah like there's never a, a scene where it feels like the director is just trying to flex or say like oh right, i'm right. gonna do a scene like this it's like everything she, you can tell she cares about yeah the everything feels very sort of um what's the word, sort of down-to-earth, very sort of, every every scene feels necessary, every scene is sort of very subtly played, and, you know, right. it's, yeah. So, uh, this film is available on Mubi if you have a subscription there, and it is also available to rent on Amazon Prime Video and on Google Play and yeah. other platforms. Yeah, and I think it's... So, to yeah. quickly, sorry, just to quickly summarise, why, why should people go to this film and go stream it? Uh, why should people go to this film? Because it's a really wonderful, nice, tender film that, um, <laughs> I don't know, I've kind of said, like, why I like it. Um, you know, I think people enjoy this a lot. It is a slow burn, but it is just incredibly, you know, immersive and enjoyable to right. watch. Um, you know, we need more female directors to be in the limelight, obviously, and more sort of right. female-led films and... I think drawing attention to, you know, homosexual, uh, gay relationships in films is also important always to portray, especially right. in a way like this. I'd, I'd, I'm kind of losing my words yeah. a bit. You hit, you hit the nail on the head. No. <laughs> yeah. that, I Why have I lost my words? Don't worry. You're all good. We're all good. <laughs> so let's... Um... <laughs> I was just going to quickly add I, on I was, to your point. I was trying to... I was the, yeah. Well, well, we... Yeah. I was just going to. Do we want to go into our next film? Or? I was just going to quick just um, about renting on Amazon. I think it is slightly sure. cheaper to rent on Amazon than most other films. I think it is like one ninety nine right. instead of the yeah, usual yeah. three forty nine. Yeah. That was just a little extra. Oh no no, no, no that's, that's um, fair. Just to conclude, yeah. Why would you say go and see this film? I I completely agree with everything you said. Not fair even enough. Just to right. Move into this next one. <laughs> okay. It's a tender, intimate film. Great acting. Greatly shot. Uh, great. It's shot brilliantly. Blooming. Good costumes fucking go see it <laughs> exactly um so now we are going into so we've gone from france to now this is a british and american production um did you so did you look into the synopsis beforehand before making your own or did you uh with, with all three films i looked up the synopsis and then kind okay. of reworded oh, it into my own <laughs> i'm sorry i just knew okay. that I, like i know this feels very artificial but i do struggle with kind of my own words. This is why when I make no, no, notes for the no. <laughs> it's like um, I was, I was so, saying. So, yeah. what, what did you what did you put down? Uh, after a heist has gone terribly wrong, the wives of the criminals involved must complete one last job to assure themselves safety from the violent crom- crime boss who believes he is owed money from the failed heist. Yeah, bang on the money. Google, <laughs> Google, Google just quickly says, following the loss of their respective husbands in a police shootout, the widows of these criminals come together to execute a, rob- a robbery that their partners were planning. So this came out in 2018. 2018, it, yeah. It is directed by Steve McQueen and it is written by Steve McQueen and Gillian Flynn. Gillian Flynn, who also wrote the Gone film Girl. and book Gone Girl. Yeah. Um, and... When it comes to the directing and the writing, I think it's a very good mix of genre and themes because I, we can't really attest as to who uh, who like really um, put the genre pieces in there because obviously it's a genre film. But like, just going off of what what like his previous stuff, it's like he's very big on depicting uh, themes within his films, such as like 
racism and 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 whatnot. So I feel like I I don't know who who made it. Well, like how how am I how am I going to make this point? I I think I know what you're trying to say. You, you're not like, sure where the split yeah. is in like who wrote which scenes, who yeah. wrote like which which I, parts I did Gillian that, Flynn do, which parts did, and yeah, I I don't I, know either. I I'm I know that don't. Steve McQueen loved the show because it's based off a British TV show of the same name but just yes. set in London um, but again like the American voice that could be Gillian Flynn like <laughs> but yeah so I've just put here in my notes that it's a film to experience if you can with an audience and I told Matt to watch this film with his family because I remember watching this film in the cinema and when moments happen like the the, the people in the cinema were like gasping Um. To, I think it's quite great, but I can understand why people would think those moments are kind of soap opery. What, what did you think, Matt? I'd, I like this film. I, I really did. I know earlier you said I was kind of indifferent to one of the films. And yeah, <laughs> by contrast to the right, other film, right, right. two films we're talking about, yeah, this this falls a bit short. But no, I honestly really just, I like this film a lot. I thought it was a really solid heist thriller. I think it follows the tropes of a heist film pretty well, but in a semi-predictable way but kind of okay. changes them up enough to keep it engaging throughout, I think. it's It does a good job. I think, obviously, the performances are really good. This film has an absolutely stacked cast. Such a uh, stacked cast. <laughs> Viola Davis, uh, Michelle Rodriguez, Elizabeth Debicki, Colin Farrell, uh, Liam Neeson, Robert, Robert Duvall, Duvall um, Brian Tyree Daniel Kaluuya. Daniel Kaluuya. I, I told you I'd write this in my notes, but I, in all caps, I've just written Daniel fucking Kaluuya. This yeah. is one of my favourite performances by him. Whenever there's a fucking clip of the, a certain scene on Twitter, I watch it straight away because it's such an intimidating scene that puts you on edge and is a fucking testament as to why more people should pay attention to him. He's fucking he, amazing. He is great. He's kind of... <laughs> Yeah, he's kind of better than he needs to be in this because he's not the main antagonist and he's kind of more threatening than the <laughs> yeah. main antagonist is. And this is one of the little points I'll make in a second. But yeah, I'll, just like going into the good stuff about sure. this film. Um, I thought it was really well directed. I like This is the, only the second Steve McQueen film I've seen right, uh, yeah. after 12 Years a Slave. And just straight off the bat when... In the opening scene with the van, and I was just like, "Fuck yeah, Steve McQueen I've got, can I've got fucking annoying, direct." <laughs> I've got an annoying thing that I was thinking about with when it came to the uh, the opening scene. So the opening scene is a mix between Liam Neeson and Viola Davis, like passionately making out and intercutting that with Liam Neeson and his gang doing this heist, and it's very tense and whatnot. And it yeah. cuts to the the heist scene on Liam Neeson doing like a fake lion roar and it just made me think did he do his own roars for Aslan because it's, it's fairly on like it's a good roar I mean he has he's got a good voice in general I think Liam Neeson right. doesn't he he's he's got a good presence I think for for films yeah. and yes we didn't say I think this is one of yeah. his better performances yeah, it is. I think it's a very good performance by him, and I, we didn't um, say that. He, so he's Liam... not being fucking taken, man. He's like actually putting emotions <laughs> in. Yeah. So <laughs> we didn't specify. So Liam Neeson and Viola Davis play mm. a married couple. So Liam Neeson is one of the criminals who takes part in this heist gone wrong, and Viola he's Davis like the head of yeah, yeah, and Viola Davis is the wife now widow of him, and um, she must now uh, get the other wives of the men who failed this heist and complete one last job and yeah the other wives like i said are elizabeth debicki michelle rodriguez and yeah viola davis and, and uh, yeah and then they they get a uh, no, like like with your heist films they they always need a, a driver or someone else yeah. who is outside of their packs and that's cynthia arriva who this is her first uh on-screen performance because she is she got like loads of tonys she's been in some tv shows but yeah this is her first film role yeah and so when I when I first saw this film, I really liked it, and but there was a lot of criticisms towards it, and I could sort of agree with the criticisms, but like on rewatch, I kind of have a rebuttal to most of the criticisms, <laughs> right? And I remember one of them being like, her character just kind of appears out of nowhere, but no, yeah. they established that you know she's she's Michelle Rodriguez's babysitter. She's very on time. She like she needs the money, and the, the her the hairdresser she works at. Uh, like is neatly woven into uh, Colin Farrell's uh, position as I forgot to mention Colin Farrell. Uh, Colin I, Farrell's I mentioned position him briefly, yeah. as yeah, uh, he's like this politician who is like kind of being perform like a performative activist, saying that he's like endorsing these um, minority-owned businesses. Yet his blooming father and him are, like 
are tied into very racist ideologies. Yeah. Um, it was all neatly woven. Like it's such a good uh, like multi multi character. There narrative. is a lot going on, I think, and yeah. yeah, it does pull it off well for the most part. Like I I did have. So I have a little list of critiques I had about this sure. film, and I, I'm just interested. I'll try my to... best to be like, bang, bang. <laughs> well, no, that's the thing, because I know that I'm in the position now that you were when you first saw this film of like, yeah. hold on, this doesn't seem right. But maybe mm. if I rewatch this, those critiques I have will kind of fizzle out. But um, yeah, so I, I guess, so some, of, I'm just reading my notes. So some of the critiques I had is that some of the characters I felt were a bit underdeveloped, I think. Like, Michelle Rodriguez is very good in the film, but I felt that... Um, okay. Yeah, you got excited there, all right. Um, <laughs> Michelle Rodriguez, like, I liked her. as I, liked, I thought her performance was very good, but she kind of, at times, felt like the obligatory, sort of angry, pessimistic character in a heist film, the sort of, right. like, if we don't get this job done properly, we'll blah, blah, sure. blah, blah, blah. And it kind of, like, sort of... She seems like sort of an obligatory obstacle to the other characters, okay. and it's like I, it's justified. It's it's okay. I was you know, like, yeah, I was like, yeah. It's not like it's out of nowhere. Like they set up her character well enough, but it just, she's way yeah. more in involved. Like she understands the the criminal underworld way more than Viola Davis done, who's yeah. like projecting as if she if she knows what she's do- that she knows what she's doing when she's like yeah she's kind of out of her depth majorly. I'm not yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not saying her role didn't make sense. I'm just right. saying it felt a bit uninspired as a thing and okay. i was watching some scenes and kind of like half rolling my eyes at like okay we're doing one of these scenes now and do, do you reckon that's the 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 heist genre's fault in a way yeah i think it, because yeah when when you were saying with like uh that it's it's dealing with multiple things at once i think because it's dealing with these scenes within a heist film when you because it's his most accessible film but when you go into yeah. it you're like the trailer's like ah oh, intense action film or whatever and then you go into it and it's like dealing with grief and abuse and racism and and uh, like racism with the police and uh, all this other stuff. And it's just like, wait, what? <laughs> and I think that's why it seems a bit uh, all over the place. But I, I, watching it back, like it's all neatly woven. It's set up pretty ac- like accurately, like I'd say. Yeah. Um, like I have very few yeah. critiques on this film, but I, I have like critiques I can't speak I don't know what's it's wrong with fine, me today I'm it's headphones, flustered. they like cut off our blood circle. No, like, I don't know, if there's something about this episode that's flustering me, I don't know what it don't is worry, but okay. um, anyway, we're, we're in a safe space yeah, no, I only had like three or four critiques about this film and okay. some of them could arguably be in the category of nitpicks so yeah, Michelle, was, uh, Michelle Rodriguez's character was one um Another one I had was, so the Jamal Manning character who's played by... Right, yeah. Brian Tyree Henry. Yeah. His yeah. character, he had some very, very good scenes, especially near the beginning. Very sort of intense, sort of threatening scenes that established yeah. him well as like the main antagonist of the film. Because that's what he is, basically. Like, yeah, There's yeah, a lot yeah. of kind of crossfire and lots of people going against each other. But I felt, I got the impression that he was kind of the main he is like the driving bad, yeah. force. Yeah. Bad film. And I think... I felt like he could have had a bit more presence as a villain. Like, he kind of... Yeah. I felt like he gets sidelined a little bit. Like, Daniel I Kaluuya... I think it's just because he's... Daniel Kaluuya fucking knocks out of the park. Daniel Kaluuya, makes, yeah. yeah, is... Like, he's... Because he's kind of like the yeah. henchman character, isn't he's he? He's the but, enforcer, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. he's kind of... He's way more threatening. His scenes are sure. a lot more memorable. I remember a lot more about his character than Jamal Manning's yeah. character. And, like, he's not bad, but I just felt like he could have been more... And it's hard to do because, like, we keep saying, this film is balancing so many characters, so yeah. many interweaving plot points. But I do feel like he's... You know, he's in the top three of this film, okay. so he should right. be like, he should. Yeah, I felt like I there should that. have been maybe a bit more focus on him, just making him more menacing, giving him more presence, maybe think, a bit more story. I guess I, I don't know. What did you think, I think about it? I, I, I get that, but I think at the same time, his character is meant to be like the calmer version of Daniel Kaluuya's, where he's like, he will mm. send Daniel Kaluuya to do the errands. There's only one time that Brian Tyree do, does. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry does this errand, which is in the beginning with Viola Davis. Which I found him very intimidating in, but it's like it's just obviously with that comparison to Daniel Kaluuya's Enforcer character, where it's like it, he seems more tame. But like I think they've shown that he can be menacing when he wants to be, but because of the political position he's in, he has to be he has to seem a, a calmer on the surface and a lot more mm. approachable. Um, but at the same time, the film manages to like show that he's a very morally not morally grey, but like. Yeah, morally great, yeah. and like that—that 
he's in a lot of dirty business. Um, I just would have liked to see him a bit more, I think, and sort sure. of more He's impactful. a fucking great actor. Like, yeah, I need to see him watch, in more films. Like, <laughs> if you watch something like, like this and then see him as Paperboy in Atlanta, it's like such a, like, it's, he's got a fucking range. He's also so good in Spider-Verse, like, mm. and then if Bill Street could talk, like, oh, oh yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, yeah. Because I think um, we talked about his performance on a yeah. previous episode in Beale Street, but yeah, no, it's yeah. it's great. And um, So I, I, would you say yeah. it's more of just out of a, um, like, seeing the actor's potential or just the character? I, I think it's from, I, I don't think it's anything to do with him. I think it is from a writing perspective. Okay. In that he right. should, like, as it, I'm not crit- criticizing the actor at all. I, I just think he could have been in more scenes and sort of, like I keep saying, they could have established more of a presence. And they do very well with that in a couple of scenes. Like, there's a scene at the beginning with him and Viola Davis. That's probably the best scene. You know the scene sure. I'm talking about, don't yeah, you? Yeah. Where he's... Yeah. That's probably the best scene with him, in my opinion. I just... I Yeah. Just wish there were more of those. That's, that's, that's understandable. I yeah. kind of felt similar when on first watch with Robert Duvall. I was like, mm. I don't think he's doing that great. And then I'm re-watching it and I'm like... His character is meant to be a senile old man. He, he's yeah. like, if it seems like he's trying to remember what he's saying, it's probably what the character's meant to be like. And he he like he does he does what the character like needs like he serves the purpose of like yeah. what his character is, I which think, is this yeah. f- from a forgotten era, but still has like his finger in every pie, uh, control wise, and yeah. very bigoted and like because yeah. he, he's not the main threat of the film, I think, no. which is why it kind of I could sideline him a bit and think okay yeah he's he's doing all right but yeah I'd, i'm just looking also other, i yeah. just want to quickly say if you're watching tenet and you you, you wish that uh elizabeth debicki was more well-rounded watch watch her in this because it's a super well-rounded <laughs> performance again the that's due to writing with, isn't it yeah yeah <laughs> the way they deal with uh how her character faces abuse and how she changes after losing her husband which is pl- briefly played by john bernthal um, and how that abuse is leaked within other characters, such as Jackie Weaver, even Viola Davis, when she takes her under a wing, uh, and then how her like the the sugar daddy character played by Lucas Haas, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Mm. I thought that story, like that subplot on on rewatch, was a bit uh, no, on first watch was a bit iffy, but no, I fully understand it because it leaks into like how she's facing abuse from so many different characters and how she changes and yeah. becomes stronger through that and decides I'm not fucking taking this. No, I didn't <laughs> have, yeah, I didn't have a problem with that on this. This wasn't one of my critiques. I was, I was right, fully no, I'm just saying, invested like, in that. Yeah. In comparing. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But it's interesting. So earlier on, you mentioned, sorry, excuse me, sorry? just burps <laughs> for those listeners. Um, we're, we're natural. You mentioned earlier about the sort of the divide between who was writing which scenes between Steve McQueen mm. and Gillian Flynn. And I think, uh, one potential way to look at it was sort of Gillian Flynn sort of contributing to the female perspective of the yeah, film, definitely. I guess, and sort 100%. of making it grounded and real and sort of not uh, being like the male gaze, as right. I think we mentioned before. And um, what was I going to say? My, I blanked. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, because no, I was going to say that, like I, I mentioned earlier, that this film kind of follows the tropes of a heist film in a kind of semi-predictable way. But what it does differently which is a very good thing, is having a predominantly female-led yeah. cast, I yeah. think. And you don't get that a lot. And I think with heist films, it's predominantly male-led. And like there have been right. exceptions with like Ocean's 8, which I know got quite bad reviews, I think, as like a, a heist film. And I think yeah. the problem... What, what, what? It's just <laughs> funny you mention that, because I was watching a blooming Jeremy John's review of w- Widows before this, and he spent like half of the review just talking about Ocean's 8. And it's like... Two completely different films. No, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to conflate the no, two. No, 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 it just yeah. made me laugh. It just reminded me. I'm just saying um, it's good to see a sort this of... This film's way better. Um, yeah, it is way better. I'm just trying to... My point is I'm trying to say that um, it's good to see a female-led sure. heist film that doesn't feel like it's just in the shadow of yeah. another male-led film. Like, it's very much... This film is very much standing on its own, doing its own thing. It has a lot of credibility and, the, the, and the, just yeah. The heist itself, it although like kind of brief, is very fucking intense. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I <laughs> like, liked it. Yeah, and the costumes, I fucking love the like the black like Jason hockey masks. Yes, yeah. and there's also really good foreshadowing with um 
uh, Michelle Rodriguez's daughter having a voice modulator toy, and then that comes yeah, later I on. Spotted like, that. So, oh, I, so I, I spotted that because it's so underplayed, isn't it? There's, yeah, it's like a it's very fun. like a three oh. second scene in the yeah. second act or something, and then it comes back and it's like, oh yeah, I noticed that. Um, <laughs> so, I guess one criticism I can make, but I understand why it's like this, is Hans Zimmer's score is kind of by the numbers. You'd say that I don't remember much about. It's the just it's literally a lot of just like dun 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 dun. But it does the job. Like it puts you on edge. But it's just it was minimal. Like yeah, it is kind of yeah. I I I didn't remember much about the score, and I think that's probably why. And then the cinematography. This is a shot by Sean Bobbitt, who's done Steve McQueen's previous films and recently shot Judas and the Black Messiah. I just written that it's very atmospheric, like mm. especially with some of its close-ups. Like uh, there's a close-up of a re- of a reverend in a church, and he's just he's giving a sermon, and it's just it's so atmospheric, and it's yeah. just a close-up. You're not seeing an environment around him, but yet you're you're in you're in there somehow. Yeah, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Like, it's, his most, yeah. it's, it's Steve McQueen's most ex- accessible film in terms of the, like the genre, but like there's just so much maturity around it. And do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think probably because of how he works with his cinematographer. And uh, also, well, I think especially. what's interesting is also like the daylight scenes uh, as sort of tense and moody mm. as the night scenes. I think, and Definitely. that's that's quite hard to do to sort of keep that mood consistent especially during a funeral there's like that shot of um yeah. both Daniel Kaluuya and Brian Tyree Henry just chilling by uh, a tombstone yeah. that was in the trailer like, i think yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> disgusting people one one uh, other critique yeah, yeah. i had about this film just go this is the last one i swear uh, <laughs> it's all good i i just i've got two little bits of trivia but so good yeah but the last critique i had about this was um the the thing with Viola Davis's son which I don't want to mm, go into sure. too much. Right, right, right. It was it was nice. It felt like a bit of an add-on, in my opinion. I, I can it, understand that. It's played partway through the film as like this big emotional scene that's meant to sort of make us feel something. But because it feels like it's kind of inserted in between two scenes, sure. it felt to me like an add-on. That, and I know it's established I, I earlier that. on in yeah. the film, and it's not like it comes out of nowhere, but it just didn't feel like it did anything... I, I was the same on on rewatch where it's like yeah uh it feels added on but somehow is still depicted very emotionally well yeah I mean? like it's but it's just like oh wait own. this is this is yeah. from nowhere but like yeah. um i think on rewatch it, it it sets up the tension between viola davis and liam neeson very well especially when they're just having these emotional fights mm. i'm like oh i fucking feel for both of these guys like <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah no i completely understand what you mean it's just it's um, a, like the scene it, it's a good scene mm. in isolation like it's very sure. well directed it's emotional like you said the music's good blah 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 but it does yeah i i just couldn't help but think does this need to be in the movie or maybe sure. could it have been because I keep saying this again, that the film is balancing a lot yeah. plot-wise. It's kind of the opposite of Portrait of a Lady on Fire, in that it mm, just is yeah. all plot. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I like. I'm not, I'm not mad at that. Like, I, I completely see. Like a lot of the criticisms with the film in general, I, I can see both sides of it. I do. Um, I, I will probably I think rewatch it personally. This. It's. I think it's just somehow a like, even though it's critically, it was like received well by critics i think it's a very underrated film yeah like... I, I think it is yeah <laughs> yeah i don't like i don't know why that is and maybe it is because of that balancing act with themes probably yeah um no it does a good job like i've i've finished my critiques about it now i think but right, just to right. sort of round this review off with sort of the good points like i can't sure. stress enough how good the performances are in this especially mm. viola Fucking davis viola davis she that, is so one bit where uh, she has that quick outcry and then she's got to rein it back in and yeah. get back to normal i'm like and you feel it it's so guttural and you're like oh my god i remember like, it's yeah. so so much pain like oh man <laughs> i remember you said this before the podcast she is uh, one of the best actors working today 100%. All, uh, yeah one fucking she is incredible her voice is just so kind of like deep like, and baritone even though her character and, yeah yeah like even though her characters her character doesn't know about she's stayed away from the criminal underworld and that she doesn't really know what she's doing her character she know she knows how to make her character act like she's know what she she knows what she's doing yeah i was gonna uh, yeah like she's 
the character itself is doing a performance. Do you know what I mean? That sounds wanky, but it, it like yeah, she is. Like she's every performing character... as if she she knows how to do a heist. Yeah, <laughs> like... <laughs> like every character I've seen her play, it feels like there's years of pain behind them. Yes. Like especially in the voice, she it does feels a, like there's a lot yeah. of research that goes into it. Yeah, as, especially like with <laughs> her voice as well. Her voice feels like it's been sort of dragged through concrete almost. It's like it's just so sure. yeah. sort of menacing and like you feel scared yeah. when you watch her. She is just incredible as an actor, and she, like she still she know, she still knows how to bring the vulnerability to a character that's trying yeah, to be strong. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. how to like how to through mannerisms or gait or whatever. Uh, display like oh i'm letting my guard now down now i don't know what i'm doing especially her and elizabeth debicki scenes are so great together um mm. because she's kind of like this mother hen but isn't like at first she's kind of abusive towards her but then they become really good friends and elizabeth debicki kind of teaches her character how to like be more smiley and like she like highlights the innocence there. I don't know. They but, play um, off each other well. There's a good contrast, yeah. I think, between them and what you're saying. So sort of like female add... independency and female dependency. Right. Sort of yeah, yeah. those scenes kind of contrasting with each other. It's it's very well Definitely. done. So, fun little bits of uh, trivia. The dog that uh, Viola Davis has is the same dog in Game Night. <laughs> it's Jesse Plemons' dog. It's, uh, it's a good it's actor. A, it's that a dog. Westie, I think. I think it's I a Westie, yeah. Is. It's just such a cute dog, and oh, fuck you, Brian Tyree Henry, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then also, uh, so it's very rare for Sade to release new music, but she uh, released a, an original song for this film. It's played at the very end. Like, the, as of recently, a, like, a lot of films have been like, well, two films in particular, this and what's the, what's it called? Oh, it's an Ava DuVernay film. It's a Disney film. I forgot what it's called. Anyway, those two films have had the marketing point of we've got music from Sade, original mu- <laughs> new music from her. Oh my god, um, it's a great song. I shazammed it at the end. Um, that was it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I'll I'll say why people should watch this film is like if you want a great heist film but has multiple different uh, emotional elements and uh, themes, uh, and and yeah, it's a I think it's a pretty good balancing act what why 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 do you think people should stream this Uh, yeah no kind of the reasons you said as well and like i said at the beginning that it is a really solid heist thriller it follows the conventions of the heist film in an expected way but also changes it up a bit in terms of sort of character interactions and sort of little unexpected twisty turny moments that Mm. sort of kept me engaged throughout performances alone actually would (laughs) i would sell this film just this absolutely stacked cast and just great performances all around uh, it's very well directed. There's a lot of really great scenes in this that are just really tense and just scary, and that's obviously down to performances and direction. That's, it's just a really, it's a good time. This film, yes, yeah. it's, it's a good. It film. is a good time. Yeah, and then try try watch with uh, if you have anyone in your house. It's a it's a it's a film night one. Yeah, I watch even with, though it's yeah. got these like yeah, um, even though it's like got these like kind of ah uh, themes in them like. It's, it's, a, it's still a fun film, no? I watched um, this with my parents. They both liked it a lot, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. Um, so, going from uh, the British and American filmmakers, and now we're going over to Iran with A Separation. What did you, what did you put down for this one? Uh, an Iranian husband and wife struggle to come to an agreement about getting a divorce as the wife wants to move away to have a better life for her family whilst the husband needs to stay back and look after his father who has Alzheimer's. Now left alone, the husband faces an ever-escalating series of struggles whilst looking after his father and daughter that soon become unmanageable. Dang, that's that's pretty on the money. Again, that's... guys, you should hire Matty Pierce. <laughs> Google, can you take notes, please? <laughs> uh, Google here says that uh, Nader and Simin, a married couple, living around with their daughter, Terme. Simin wants to move out the country, but Nadir is reluctant to do so as he wants to take care of his ailing father. Both, I'd say, are very uh, on the money. And we can say, yeah, we can say this because it's in the trailer and it's not <laughs> ruining a moment. Uh, so uh, Nadir, uh, I believe it's Nadir. Yes, yeah. Nadir, um, when taking care of his uh, father with Alzheimer's, hires a person to take care of uh, the the father. Um, however, this person commits a like a really bad negligent act and because of this uh, an altercation happens and she's uh, accidentally hurt or intentionally hurt who knows uh, and 
uh, it's about the how, how would you say it oh, man. sort of the conflict between the, them after that isn't yeah it? yeah the sort yeah. of unexpected There's a lot of moral turn. ambiguity yeah there is yeah. it's great this is um, yeah <laughs> so this is written and directed by uh Asuka fahadi and yep. i've just written here i want to watch his whole filmography now I'd, I've looked up his other films. He's done. He's directed ten films, I think, or something like that. Maybe yeah. nine films. Uh, yeah. yeah, this film came Ooh, out very in, highly rated. <laughs> it, yeah, this film came out in 2011. It won the Oscar for best international feature, called best foreign language film oh. back then. I think uh, it was nominated for best original screenplay, but unfortunately didn't win. Um, yeah, and to this fucking Owen Wilson time traveling. Yeah, to Midnight in Paris. <laughs> Midnight in Paris. Yeah, <laughs> but honestly, yeah, this is. Uh, absolutely, absolutely fantastic film. This is probably I was saying to you. I think this so is one of the good. this is one of the best films I've seen in the last year. I think yeah. like so. Going into this film, I was kind of I was in a sort of half good mood, and I was thinking, oh, am I in the mood for a film like this? Because I expected <laughs> <was> the same. Because <laughs> I expected it to be when you hear about when a foreign film wins an Oscar for best foreign language film, you usually expect something a lot more slow and contemplative, sure. something like like a more like a more. <laughs> like <a laughs> yeah. Hey, Jinx. <laughs> Something like Amour or Roma or Eda yeah. or something like that, but no, this film. Well, kind of the idea of the slow burn, right? We're, we're yeah, saying yeah. with the issues of the idea of the slow burn. Yeah, and I really wasn't fire. necessarily in the mood that. for a slow burn. But sure. boy, did this film subvert my it's, expectations yeah. of not being a slow burn. Every scene I, in this film is so exciting and chock a block, and yeah. just for the first, oh I wrote gosh. down in my notes for the first hour of this film, I was just feeling anxiety because you're oh just watching. Yeah this main character just struggle with a series of ever escalating events. And mm. I think obviously it's down to a very tightly written script, but it's also down yeah. to the direction. I think the sort of naturalistic documentary-esque style to it and the sort of overlapping dialogue I, yeah. and the sound. We're, so we're so I'm going the same through page. your No, no, I'm, I'm not because I'm like, we're all, we are completely on the same page. Like, Honest, I've written yeah. how it's like very uh, documentary-esque. Yeah. Um, I've just, I've written here that it's like just a perfect example of how to display conflict yes. uh, within characters in a screenplay. Absolutely. Because every every one of them, you can make a case for they're in the right, but they're in the wrong. Like, yeah. You, oh, it's There's not enough films <laughs> like it, I think, because every character in this film is dealing with some kind of sort of life or death scenario, sure. I think. And that sort of, you instantly sympathize with them and empathize with them. But also, like you said, there is each character is also doing some things that are a mm. bit wrong. It's just so well They're played. They're very human and, characters. You know, this film doesn't have <laughs> heroes and villains. It just has yeah. people struggling, and it is just honestly incredible. It's such an intelligent film. Um, yeah, like, and, so, yeah. Sorry, go in on. In regards to pacing, because I remember... So I I just seen because you you'd stop doing reviews. So when I do, do see a review from you, I'm like, oh shit, let's go see it. And you put that it was an absolute masterpiece, and I was like, oh my gosh, let's go. Because like I I don't know how this film got into my watch list. I I went into it very blind. Um, and I was if, when it first starts, I'm like, okay, this is taking quite a while to set off. And then when it does, you're like, oh wait, it was fully needed. Like. This film's pacing is brilliant. Yeah, um, it absolutely because of is. the attention to detail, and then when it when the main bit of uh, you know the like the, the main bit of conflict sets in, you're like, oh fuck, oh my god, I would not want to be in this position. And this this film is how to do a re like with uh, realist films, right? They are often quite boring because they're just showing life as it is. But this director knows how to make everyday life thrilling and how to leave you on edge with, you know kind of normal not normal but like we anyone could fall into this situation this was basically. literally one of my notes i had about because yeah. we, we've often <laughs> talked about it's like when i think we talked about the assistant in the previous episode about mm, how sort mm. of it, realism versus um sort of narrative we, we talked about we, we, compelling we, narrative structure same and, with mike lee like we, yeah. we often yeah and i feel like with a lot of films we've talked about we've sort of half mentioned that oh you know it's okay because the film is realistic and if it's realistic it shouldn't necessarily have sure. a sort of tightly written narrative this film is a shining example yeah. of how you can <laughs> exceed by doing both yeah. and yeah i know Definitely. i'm repeating what you said but yeah it's no no it's it's, like, <laughs> it's incredible it, yeah it's this film is like tens across the board um I, for the acting I've just written, there's great performances all around. Even the child acting is yeah, great. The child acting is really great. Like, oh my gosh. Um, the yeah, cinematography, all documentary esque, but very close up and very mm. like. E I don't really like super shaky handheld cameras in films, especially realist films. Because I'm like, there's a film with Jason Segel and Ed 
Ed Helms is the, by the Duplass brothers, and I hate the cinematography in that because it's just <laughs> deliberately like, oh, this is real life. Let's shake the camera, do 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 do, and I'm like, this is distracting me from the film. Whereas this, you feel like you're with the people, and it's yeah. not super in your face because like, it's not overly shaky it's not like a Bourne film is it it's sort of it's shaky feels like you're seeing it like, yeah, as, it's like as if you were like a POV but yeah, exactly yeah. yeah and it's just yeah and I think what else is great about this film is how unexpected that little moment is where um, the main conflict arises because mm. it comes in quite late I think well not late but sort of say like when does it... 15 minutes in or something maybe really? not 15 I don't know, Later like, than that, so, I think. Yeah, it just the film takes its time to just introduce you to the characters, where they live, yeah. the environment they live in, and it sets up these tiny little things that will mean so much later on. Yeah, and it's not in a like, oh, I've forgotten. I need to go back and you know rewatch. I'm sure rewatching helps, but like, there was a moment in this where you know that meme of Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, oh, where he's he, like clicks, clicking and, and looks, looking at the yeah. screen. There's a lot of moments like I, that. I in this. did that in this film when <laughs> when a uh, like a bystander brings up a detail that she was involved with and how that would be so integral to uh, trying to like get these characters out of a bad situation. I was like, oh my god, the thing, ah! <laughs> and it's like it's done so well. It's not in a soap opery way. Yeah. Um, I try to do the, the the same thing I did with Portrait of Lady on Fire in terms of finding a negative review, uh, but it takes quite a while to find it. There, there, there uh, is one. <laughs> I went on Rotten Tomatoes. I okay. found it. I can't remember what it said, though. So, damn, I should have saved it no, for no, this no, it's all, podcast. No, no, it's all good. I... <laughs> We've, I found something nice from you, from your boy Roger Ebert, and we'll, we will stop taking so much importance on him. But like you know, he is one of the most famous film critics. Yeah. So it's like it's interesting to see what he saw, thought of this film when he saw it. So he said that this film involves its audience in a unusually direct way because although we could see the logic of everyone's position, our emotions often disagree. Bang on the. That's mind. a perfect way to describe <laughs> it, I think, because you know, like we said, every character is both perfectly motivated but sort yeah. of imperfectly motivated at the same time it's just it's you know a very complex very real film and a lot of that is done through like dialogue as well all of the dialogue feels very pointed and sort yeah. of but also being naturalistic none of it feels contrived at mm. all every single scene moves the plot along to the next scene and it's just it's really compelling to just watch such a fully realized film like this it doesn't happen a lot yeah, and it like... just it's really great and satisfying <laughs> Like I understand the worry of uh, trying not to overhype it, but I'll just yeah. say now, fucking go see this film. Yeah, there, absolutely. Yeah. There's a free version for it on YouTube if you don't have the funds for it at the moment. I will give that a scrub over because I want to see if it's dead, the, like a good copy of it or not. But like, I don't like. I've got a couple more hours of the rental period of this film, and I debated watching it again. But I think the only thing that stopped me is the the runtime. I was just like, because I've I've got other stuff to do. But I I wouldn't mind owning this film. Same, actually. I might consider buying it. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> How the fuck did time-travelling Owen Wilson, meeting F. Scott Fitzgerald and Dali and all that shit, win over this? Yeah, like, I just... Fuck, like, I don't, we don't want to take too much precedence on the Oscars, but that's just dumb. Like, I, wanted, I wouldn't mind talking about the Oscars for a little bit, because that's kind Should, of how uh, I found yeah, out about this film. <laughs> yeah, no, just, yeah. Um, that's how I found out about this film, because I was kind of looking up sort of the films that had won Oscars in the last 10 years and sort of thinking which ones were good, which ones were bad. And A Separation was in amongst the nominees. And I thought, this is a film that's been getting a lot of praise by critics, but I've never seen it or yeah, it was, like, I still know very little right? about it. And because I was looking at the 2011, well, 2012, because it was for films of 2011, the Oscars that year. And it was a little bit of an underwhelming year for films. Like some of the films were good, like the nominees so, that yeah, year. Yeah, what were they? So you had The Artist, which won... Best Picture, uh, mm -hmm. other nominees, you had The Descendants, Moneyball, War Horse, The Help, uh, Hugo. Like, it's just some of those are better than others. There's some there, good but, ones, yeah. but like, it's not... A oh, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, which has garnered a reputation for being like the worst Best Picture nominee ever. What title is that? That sounds like the blooming... What's the Zac Efron, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile? I, I don't know. It's, it's apparently... It's just I haven't seen it. words at the title and we got a title. I haven't seen it, but <laughs> apparently it's like the worst kind of Oscar bait. It's okay. gained a reputation as being like the worst Best Picture nominee. Future episode. Anyway, tangent. But, but... So, <laughs> I think 
this is saying a lot in regards to some of the, how the Oscars nominate things, especially at that time, because maybe it's different now. But mm. it's quite a big deal when a uh, an international film makes it into An, a category uh, best that screenplay. isn't, yeah, yeah, a category it's that isn't best foreign by, film. Yeah, yeah. Mm. it's it is it's interesting, and you can completely see why it got a screenplay nomination because it is just such yeah. a if, meticulously I, I wouldn't mind written. Trying to find a, a PDF of this because, like, it is such a good lesson on how to write conflict. Yeah, I, yeah. If I can find a, a a translated script of it, if anyone listens to this and finds it, send it me. Yeah, it'll be. It is white. just kind of a masterclass in sort of like writing character motivations and sort of pacing and yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just and honestly, how to depict moral ambiguity. Like, moral ambiguity. Yeah, it's it is honestly where, incredible because where widows may seem a bit all over the place with moral ambiguity, like. I think with widows, it, it knows how to be like this person's wrong. You shouldn't like this person. Whereas uh, with a separation, you can be like this person's wrong, but I see where they're coming from. Yeah, and I understand if they were in that situation or if I had that certain ailment. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, and yet, the, the, like, it arguably has a villain, but you like. You completely get where the villain's coming from. Exactly. Like, and they've I just think... had a very fucked up situation. Yeah, and that's what Widows is missing, I think, because it does have very well-written characters, but you kind of... You don't find yourself sympathising with everyone in the film, which sure. is fine, but the fact that a separation does that puts it just above and beyond a lot mm. of other films, I think. And, yeah. yeah. E- like, even just very small side characters like the tutor, you're like, oh, what are they going to say? Yeah. How are they going to, like... Yeah. Uh, the the guy that plays uh, the father with Alzheimer's that's a great performance yeah really he, is he felt like he really had it <laughs> like um, I, also, I yeah yeah I I just I don't want to sound like a broken record but just fucking go see it it's so I, good I love the opening scene to this film as well because it's just pure dialogue and it just put me in mind of something like um, oh wait it's like straight down the barrel right yeah yeah and yeah. Then, yeah and it, it yeah. reminded me of something like Marriage Story and that it's just very sort of grounded but engaging dialogue and it's just pure dialogue it's just them two talking and it's just so compelling and to write dialogue like that is is hard to make it sort like i said before pointed but naturalistic at the same time and And, could still mean something later on yeah and it's like they're good foreshadowing because a lot of times when films try to do naturalistic dialogue it kind of sometimes falls into the trap of being non sequiturs i guess right or someone like swearing too much just for the sake of it yeah or like characters sort of musing on some kind of pretentious thing like sort of oh have you seen this film and then they'll go into like a five minute conversation (laughs) about blah 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 but the fact that like everything in this film feels like it has its purpose but isn't like overt you know it's just so these people just seem real like they do yeah it's just very like it's realistic conversation but doesn't lend itself to like the trappings of how something can be like just mundane and boring like yeah. it managed to make realistic dialogue entertaining um yeah i i i've covered all bases same there's, i've gone through not all my really notes. a score there's <laughs> not there's no score really but like it's not needed <laughs> no it's not um you know the dialogue does does enough for that uh, it's not like rhythmic dialogue but like it's you know yeah it's it's it just very well paced film yeah very good dialogue <laughs> and aside from the story itself it just it's good that it draws attention to sort of iranian working class culture yeah. i think and sort of the that, desperation that was, of yeah. wanting to leave and sort of the reasons why you can't and yeah but that was the thing i was thinking about i just i don't know enough about the like social economic uh side of it and all the politics that involved with it but it in general with this filmmaker it seems like he's very in tune with that and under like he knows how to make the the countries uh, the conflict within the country a conflict within the film do you know what I mean yeah and exactly as, as someone that doesn't know enough about it I like it was kind of very in, in, uh, insightful yeah yeah um, yeah yeah because like not a great uh, comparison but like Cache I feel like I didn't I don't know enough about the the issues in Algeria in order to it's the Michael Haneke film. film yeah yeah. But that that film feels like you have to know more about that in order to un- like like the film mm. more. Whereas this, you don't have to know about th- some of the the country's politics going into it in order to enjoy it. But it will help, like yeah, or or it kind of it helps you understand to a degree. Do you mm. know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly um, what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I want to watch this guy's films. 
Uh, I do as well. I think yeah. I feel like I think this is his uh, best reviewed film, yeah. and I can see why. But I, but I would he, like, like to check yeah. out his other ones as well. Definitely, definitely. Um, this one is yeah. There is a free copy of it on YouTube, but bear in mind some some of those free copies are either zoomed in or like the dialogue maybe pitched up or down. So I I'll have a I'll have a check, but I'm pretty sure it's a a good copy. But like. It's available to rent on YouTube. Uh, standard definition is two ninety nine. That's a fucking coffee. Like, um, I think HD is three ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you you watched on Amazon. So I rented it on Amazon, and that's the yeah. standard renting price of three forty nine to rent. It's and it's worth it. It's worth the money. Like, <laughs> it absolutely there are some is. Films here, there's some films on the podcast that we probably criticize a bit more than others, uh, and maybe aren't worth the money because of how much we like if we're shitting on something like i'm i'm glad the king is free like but <laughs> i forgot about um, the king <laughs> but like this is completely worth the money uh, like, yes absolutely yeah go see it broken record just go see it it's so good let me know what you think let us know what you think at taw podcast um on our instagram um what, yeah, why should people see this, Matt? I know I've just been like, go see it, but why? What, from your, why should people see it? <laughs> uh, it's absolutely thrilling from beginning to end. It's com- like I, I keep repeating myself. It's um, naturalistic and realistic, yet pointed and tightly written. Every single character in this film is perfectly written and sympathetic with great motivations, but also enough complexity to keep you sort of guessing and active while watching the film. Uh, the naturalistic, like I said, documentary style filmmaking and kind of overlapping sounds that add to the anxiety are really good and really do a service to this film. The performances are really great. And overall, it's just a really unique, universal film. Like, I don't think this film, like we said before, it's not just compelling f- for people who know about Iranian culture. Like it's dealing with things that are very sort of on a basic human level yes. are compelling and it's 100%. called of it's like parasite in a way that although it's set in another country it's sort of right, the right, themes right. it's dealing with are universal worldwide and it is yeah it's just a completely incredible film and one of the best films i've seen in the last year for sure there we go um yeah. <laughs> do you want to let, let us know what yeah. you think of these films uh on our on our instagram hit us up there um yeah i like th- again good selection of films this time like but the the issue is that we can't really like super criticize them, but <laughs> at the same time, it means we get we, we got to watch these films. So yeah, yeah, uh, this has been this has been a fun one. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think we should call out those sacred sacred words. Do you want to start first? That's a wrap. Oh. <laughs>